If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more streaming platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm. Yes, they've gone from his excellent football to this. To a guy who couldn't even win as Crystal Palace manager. <laughs> it's not the best of starts for the Netherlands, is it? What is it? He's won like two of the seven games he's been in charge now. Hello and welcome back to the Off the Crossbar podcast with myself, Regan Walsh, and my co-presenter, as always, Brad. How are you doing on this Thursday afternoon? Must be the international break, because I'm bored as fuck. Yep. I mean, it's only just started yesterday, but I'm already bored of it, and I want club football to be back as soon as possible so it's only well i don't even know where to start with the international break we'll get onto international stuff later on actually but as we mentioned on the podcast the other day sky sports and the bbc have announced they are to show the fa women's super league from next season uh so it's a deal that will run until 2024 and is alleged to be worth eight million pounds per season during this, Sky Sports will show 44 live games, with 35 of them being on Sky Sports Main Event slash Premier League or Sky Football. The BBC will show live games of 22, with a minimum of 18 being shown on BBC One and BBC Two. So that is uh, some great news that has came out in terms of the women's game. Uh, it definitely helps with the growth of the game a lot better than... Uh, what it has been seen as in the past. BT Sport have obviously done a phenomenal job over the last eight to ten years that they've had it and done really well in promoting the women's game. And I think it's right that, or just yeah, inevitable that Sky have uh, managed to seal the rights for it now. And uh, going forward, I will only see it growing from uh, the future. So what are your thoughts on this going forward? Well, I think it's the best thing possible that could have happened. It was always inevitable, as you've always said. It just feels like a bit of a game changer for the women's yeah. game as well. Because while it has always been available for free on the FA player, that's mm. you know, Having this now available on more free-to-air TV channels like Sky One will have games, BBC One, BBC Two will have games. It's now more widely available, easy to access as well. I 100% agree with that. And it's perfect timing because many of you may not know, but the next Women's Euros, which is uh, 2022 as it was meant to be this summer, about got change to next year due to the men's one being scheduled this summer is actually here in England. So this 
season coming up is the perfect like advertisement for the women's game and the Euros next summer with it being able to be broadcast on TV. And definitely, I've got to say, with the like the brigade that always goes, oh, who cares? And this and the other. I'll just tell you something from Manchester City's game against Barcelona uh, on Wednesday afternoon early afternoon here in the UK there was over 600,000 people watching it on Barcelona TV alone that's not including BT Sports coverage of it here in the United Kingdom W United which is another streaming place and City Plus which is Manchester City's streaming service to show the game so it definitely shows that there is the interest in the women's game growing massively yeah as you say like it's inevitable that the like the quality will be put into question because yeah. that's just what happens. Like it might even be maybe if it like at the start it shouldn't be like Sky and BBC know exactly what they're doing. They're professional yeah. broadcasting companies; they should have their stuff nailed down. And it's not like this is the first bit of women's football because the BBC do host England internationals and. Uh, they have shown the FA Cup in the past as well. So it's nothing new to the BBC when it comes to uh, broadcasting the women's game. I understand that the, uh, what do you call it, Sky will be a little bit different, but if you look at the people they've got on and the women presenters, uh, like Kelly Kate, she does an absolutely amazing job. Alex Scott, she'll no doubt be on it. She does great. Leanne Sanderson as well. They all know what they're talking about. If there's a thing with Alex... Scott as well, she could be the you know, presenter or pundit. She's more yeah. qualified to do both. As we've seen in this past week in the Champions League action. Um, when you speak on the quality, it, it's obviously going to be different because women's game doesn't have the funding as much as the men's game does, and that's why the quality is different. And I mean, I remember seeing a post um, a while back now, uh, it was an interview that uh, Siobhan Chamberlain, former England goalkeeper, and I think it might have been Carly Telford as well. They were saying like they didn't have proper goalkeeping training for years, uh, and even like the early years of playing actual professional football, they didn't have uh, an actual goalkeeper, like professional goalkeeper training, and it was like some old pensioner doing it. So it's definitely stepped up in the last few years compared to what it used to be. Yeah, and we're not going to find out instantly like, the financial rewards from this, but the benefits that will hopefully come from this do outweigh any risks. Oh, 100%. For me, I don't see there's any risks at all. Um, it's just going to help the game grow massively, and hopefully within the next two years, obviously after this deal is about to run out they renew it again and it is uh, an even bigger deal and more finance is brought in not just to the women's premier league but also the women's championship and the national league uh, which is obviously the third and below division so uh, that's why it's uh, really important that this funding does continue and it's not just a one-off with sky doing this and i don't think it will be at all and it won't be, but this is to help improve the social standing as well as yeah. to putting them more in the mainstream now on a more grander scale. 
just it just it's adding another layer in a way, just opening mm. people's eyes on women's football. And hopefully, that can have a, a bigger impact in society as well with everything that's obviously happened. Yeah, and hopefully, now with Sky showing it, games like FIFA Pairs Football Manager will actually encourage to have like put more of the women's leagues in because at the minute you can only do on FIFA that is just do women's internationals. Yeah, no, 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 there's there's kids out there that want to be the next Viviana Miedemar, Penilla Harder, Megan Rapino, just to name a few players. So if that the availability was there for them to do that on these games, you would obviously you're going to be busting at that, aren't you? So hopefully this exposure now with Sky is going to actually create that talking point between these big gaming companies and go right actually they can do it. why can't we also do it as well yeah it just on the question of megan repainer because i know she's been speaking again on yes the equal power stuff like obviously we all understand where she's coming from mm-hmm. but it's just very hard to do in terms of like in terms of the women's game but it's obviously i think this it's move well, like carry on, carry on like, explain. Hmm. Uh, what I was going to say, I think this is mainly to do with international terms of like the women getting equal pay because I don't think they get the same amount of pay as the American national team do. I don't think it's specifically to do with leagues because how fees and wages and all that work out in the MLS is quite uh, complicated to uh, understand and uh, obviously there's no limits to that but I think it's mainly to have like a set fee of uh, what the national team pays them because I think there's about seven or eight countries in the world at the minute that pay both their men's team and women's team an equal amount of money yeah. and oh, yeah. that's what uh, she's been like demanding over the last few years yeah. I've never been the... I guess I'm still learning a bit like, why would you want to be paid to play for your national team? Surely that's just, you should be honoured just to play for that. Yeah, but it, it, I think it's a, it's a thing that you get, it's a thing that you get, like, so if you get injured, they will help pay with the recovery whilst you're on international break, and it's it's seen as, like, a help as in your ages. It, obviously, you would think, oh, they don't get the f- something for them, but I think it's like an appearance type fee that they get when playing for internationals and uh, stuff like that. So it's actually a good thing that they are getting international pay uh, for when they make an appearance for their national team. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just need to learn more on that issue specifically. Well, yeah. it's something that will still be talked about for years to come. Like, I don't think that argument's going away anytime soon no it's definitely not and it is going to be like you said one to carry on for a while and be a big talking point for many a time to come uh, in the women's game especially over in the states right elsewhere in the world of women's football on wednesday we've had the champions league action take place the quarterfinal first legs uh, took place on well throughout Wednesday. Speak, uh, we spoke about Manchester City facing Barcelona, and it was Barcelona that won three nil in their first leg with goals from Jennifer Hermoso, uh, 
Mariano scoring a penalty and Asiyah Oshola with the goals there. Elsewhere, Chelsea beat Wolfsburg 2-1, Lyon beat PSG 1-0 and Bayern Munich beat Rosengard 3-0 with the second legs of these ties to be played next week. So it's going to be a very interesting semi-final, uh, second legs. If I can, again, I'm not clued up on this as much as I'd like to be. From my position, is that Man City result a big shock? Because I feel like it is. No. Considering how good Barcelona are, I mean, they're undefeated in uh, the division this season. They've scored, I think, close to 100 goals. Or now, that game yesterday might have taken them over 100 goals for this season. And they are a really good team. So... I'd say maybe the scoreline's a bit of a shock with it being like 3-0, but at the same time, it's kind of expected considering how good Barcelona are. I think from obviously we'll look at Man City as this unreal team, but actually they're almost almost at their own level, but it turns out there's even more teams at a higher level. Yeah. So English football, Man City and Chelsea's are the top two currently, but then the European stage, there is that next step up where you've got your Wolfsburgs, your Leons, your Barcelonas, and even Bayern Munich as well. Right. So they're the elite level. Yeah, which is uh, definitely a bit of a step up that they need to do, but it's definitely not too far away for them to do. And we have a full slate of WSL fixtures this weekend. Um got three games on saturday three on sunday uh starting off at half 11 at old trafford is manchester united versus west ham united it's the first time that casey stoney side will have ever played at old trafford in their short existence which is a great thing to see obviously it would have been better with fans uh at the stadium then at half past three is tottenham versus arsenal in the north london derby again this is at the tottenham hotspur stadium which is going to be a great one because the last time or the first time they played there was in front of 38,000 fans. Then uh, half five to finish off Saturday's action is Manchester City versus Reading from the Academy Stadium in Manchester. And then on Sunday, we have Brighton and Hove Albion versus Everton at half past 12, Chelsea versus Aston Villa at 2.30 and Birmingham City versus Bristol City at four o'clock as we come towards the tail end of the season now with teams having between five and six games left. It's close at the top between Chelsea and Manchester City, only two points separating the two sides. And then the bottom of the table, Birmingham City, Aston Villa, Bristol and West Ham United are separated by three points between Birmingham in ninth and West Ham in 12th, with only uh, the bottom team getting relegated to the championship. So it's definitely going to be a very interesting weekend to see the outcome of the games. And uh, you'll be able to watch all the games on the FA Player, obviously with it being simultaneously, so you won't be able to miss a, uh, you won't miss a game. And there is one on BT Sport this week, and I believe that uh, is the Chelsea versus Aston Villa game on Sunday afternoon, which you'll be able to watch on BT Sport in the United Kingdom. Breaking it. <laughs> yes. I wouldn't be confident if you as an Aston Villa fan, considering oh, how free 
how free-flowing Chelsea's forward three of Penilla Harder, Frank Kirby and Sam Kerr are at the minute. Uh, speaking of Aston Villa, there was a bit of contract news uh, earlier on today as youngster Freya Gregory has signed her first professional contract with the club. Uh, it was announced by the Villains uh, in the last couple of hours, which is good to see another homegrown talent on the Villa side. Uh, step up and maybe uh, make some more appearances in the future right um on to the men's game now so it is international break and we have had some games in the past 24 hours in terms of qualifying for the 2022 world cup uh, that's the european side uh i feel like there's only one place we have to start which is Let's go talk about the impending mess that is the Netherlands. Yes, so they played Turkey yesterday, or on Wednesday, uh, in Turkey at the Ataturk Olympiad Stadium and lost 4-2 thanks to a Burik Yilmaz hat-trick, if, if I remember correctly, and a goal from Hakim Çalhanoğlu to give Turkey a 4-2 victory over the Dutch side, uh, Luke de Jong and Davy Klassen scored for the Netherlands, which is an awful start to their World Cup qualifying campaign and on the anniversary of the great uh, Johan Cruyff's passing as well. Well, you just had to put that in there, didn't you? <laughs> yes, they've gone from his excellent football to this. So a guy who couldn't even win as Crystal Palace manager. <laughs> it's not the best of starts for the Netherlands, is it? What is it? He's won like two of the seven games he's been in charge now. Two or three of the games. It's, uh, well, then again, I think, I think when he was appointed, people did instantly go, oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, 100%. They did. I remember there was a lot going, why on earth he's he been appointed? He's done poorly wherever he's managed in the last few years and you can understand it as well why uh, eyebrows were raised over uh, the appointment of him and it, uh, it, for me it never made sense in the first place and why Frank De Boer was hired but yeah it's not looking uh, good for them the start to 2021 and the World Cup qualifiers is it, is it uh, not they do have is it, likely, is it likely he's going to be in charge of the Euros? Are they at the Euros? Oh, sure. yes, they did qualify. Yeah, they did qualify. Um, yeah, I think he will be. And then I think depending on how they do there will determine how much further it goes. Because between now and the Euros, they've only got two more games. And that's this uh, international break against Latvia on the 27th and then Gibraltar on the 30th which are two extremely winnable games, you would have to say, for the Netherlands side. And then... Imagine defeat to Gibraltar. I think he would be gone straight away after that game if they lose to Gibraltar. And then they've in the Euros, they've got Ukraine, Austria and North Macedonia. So you would say they've got probably the best chance, but at the same time, this Norway side, who they're in the same group for as well, it's not really uh, easy because obviously the top two go through in the Euros and the third can possibly go through as well based on ranking. So 
they've really got to hope to win that group. But like you said, not the best of starts for them. And uh, they'll be hoping to right their wrong later on this week. Uh, elsewhere in their group, Latvia lost 2-1 to Montenegro and Norway beat Gibraltar 3-0. Uh, though they did lose Martin Odegaard. Yes. They lost Martin Odegaard uh, just before halftime due to injury. Elsewhere on the international scene, Belgium beat Wales 3-1 with Kevin De Bruyne, Thorgan Hansted and Romelu Lukaku scoring the goals is it for Roberto Martinez's side. So it's one. Is it not interesting with Belgium they've replaced Aiden Hazard with his brother? I mean, he's good enough. And... Well, yeah, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a dig at Thorgan, but <laughs> it's just funny. Yeah. It's quite funny to see how they've just gone. Like one has it's not fit to shove in the other one. But yeah, comfortable result for uh, the Belgians and uh, for really deserve that win. Elsewhere in their group, Czech Republic beat Estonia 6-2 with Thomas Suchek scoring a hat-trick for them. And what was his first hat-trick for the uh, first team? Oh, I think it might have been his first hat-trick I for the whole of Czech Republic. Elsewhere... France drew one point with you. Go on. Is it all going to add something to the Czech Republic? Should we be worried for England? Yes. Usually the last time we played them, they lost. And I know they were never... playing Estonia, but it's not. 6 1's a very, very good win. Yeah, 6 2. It was not 6 1. But... <laughs> Don't discredit them of that one goal. All right, when they get through in goal difference, maybe I'll take into consideration. Yes. Um, elsewhere, France drew 1-1 with Ukraine. Antoine Griezmann scoring for uh, Didier Deschamps side before a Presnel in Kimpembe own goal gave Ukraine a point. Elsewhere in their group, Finland played out a 2-2 draw with Bosnia. Portugal beat Azerbaijan 1-0 with the Maxim Medvedev own goal. Uh, for Portugal and Serbia beat the Republic of Ireland 3-2 with Aleksandr Mitrovic scoring a brace and Dusan Vahalovic scoring the other goal whilst Alan Brown and James Collins scored for Ireland. Is it, Chris, have you seen one of Mitrovic's goals? I haven't actually. Oh, I would encourage a watch of it. It is a beautiful chip. Mm. Uh, keeper has come out but it's it's still beautiful. There are some Dalian Atkinson esque. Wow. That is big words there, if you're saying that. And the final set of games that have happened so far Cyprus and Slovakia played out a 0 0 draw. Russia beat Malta 3 1, and Slovenia beat Croatia 1 0. And probably the surprise of that group. And then games that we have today Sweden played Georgia, Spain played Greece, Bulgaria, Switzerland, Italy, Northern Ireland. Israel, Denmark, Moldova, Faroe Island, Scotland, Austria, Hungary, Poland, Andorra, Albania, England, San Marino, Germany, Iceland, Liechtenstein, Armenia, and Romania versus North Macedonia. So speaking on the England game, uh, it's been reported that Marcus Rashford, Bukayo Sacco, and Kyle Walker are to miss the game. Uh, Rashford is to miss all three internationals due to injury. Uh, no talk on Saka and uh, what was Rashford Walker called as well. up then if he was injured? He was called up before he was fully injured. 
Well, then you send him over. You bring someone else in. Yeah, but apparently he said he wanted to go to St George's Park just to be with the players and in, in the environment and to see how he could get on. But obviously he's not fit enough to continue. I like you, Marcus, but do what everyone else is and organise a Zoom call. Exactly. Oh. I know you're not gonna. You're you're not watching it tonight. Oh, I know that for a fact. Oh, no. <laughs> well, the face you pulled in said. <laughs> I'm very well prepared for five at the back, two to DMs, and then. <sighs> Depressing. Oh, although then again, if we're playing five at the back against San Marino, oh, I'm turning it off. I've just found a post on Instagram saying Garrison can get ready to play five at the back against San Marino. It's the first four. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so I definitely won't be watching that and international games I don't care about anyway. Um, right, I think that is all the international stuff talked about. I don't think there's anything else happening in the world of international football unless I've missed anything. So there was... A talking point earlier on today from Sheffield United owner Prince Abdullah. He came out uh, speaking about the Chris Wilder sacking uh, from Sheffield United. And it was quite interesting, the stuff he had to say, if you agree with me. Um, So, in short, it says... Chris Wilder explained why he wanted to resign. He said he felt the team needed a change and new voice. We were very clear and said we don't want to fire you, but if you want to resign, you can. But we not pay. But we will not pay you the same money as if we were firing you. He apparently, resigned twice or wanted to resign twice. Once back in December, and then the other uh, towards the end of January. And he wanted a four million pound severance fee to leave the club. What are your thoughts on the whole? situation it's such a weird thing to really go into because for one point the owner possibly trying to make himself the one in the right yeah. in this situation but if it is true then it's quite interesting you have to think about chris wilder as well it's just gone to mind he's probably trying to think what's best for his club oh 100 percent and uh, it's a little strange that he took like a fortnight to come out about it and uh like why because apparently there was talk initially that he didn't want to come out and speak about it and that's why chris wilder hasn't said anything about it since so it just seemed like i'd completely forgotten about the whole situation and for me it had died out and i think everyone else thought the situation had died out and we all knew that Paul Heckenbottom was going to take the job until the end of the season so I don't know why he felt the need to bring it up in the news for it seems a little strange if you ask me it's always a red flag warning when an owner is doing that yeah well, they thought about oh we should always be doing it private but then you go straight to Jim White yeah I mean let's not give that arsehole the fucking this isn't the first time Sheffield have shot this Remember, they've already tried this with the last guy when they were in that ownership battle. Yes, they did. So, and just to break it down, so yeah. if he was on four million a season, he which he was earning around seventy six thousand nine hundred a week. Uh, Chris Wilder. I mean, for, for me, I don't think he's going to be out of the job if he was too long. On, if he was only on four million for the last season, clearly wasn't enough. 
Yeah. And then there was the stuff about the transfers as well. Like he spent 120 million and uh, said like it's not all the quality players were good enough. And I'm like, if you, as the owner, you're the one surely that signs off on the deals finally, don't you? Like it's your money, so you can say, Chris Wilder, whoa, I don't think we should be spending that much on this player. So you can't be having to go in for spending 120 million when you're the guy, like the deals stop at. Surely you're sensible enough to say that you don't spend 23 and a half million on Ray and Brewster. Yeah, I mean, Brewster's still yet to score for Sheffield United. So it's in terms of him, in terms of him for his development, he's in the worst place he could be right now. Yeah, it's just absolutely. Uh, Goal might as well have stayed at Liverpool. He might have actually had a game with all the injuries going on. I think he probably, I think he would have had a few games by now. Yeah, if he had stayed at Liverpool. I think the only good bit of transfer that you've seen from them uh, over this past summer or the past two years was that signing that Sander Berge uh, from Europe. And I mean, if they go down, he, he'll he be gone. He's too good to be in no, that shift right, 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 in, in a champion. So, well, most of the people they signed did go. But that's just how it works. Yeah. But can they recruit... Uh, some of that money back. I don't think they will. I don't know. It's more interesting to see who they get in. As manager or players or both. But you don't get the players without the manager. Look, if the, if it's true what the owner said that it's the manager who seems to have the same transfers, it's going to be the same whoever goes in. Yeah. But it's definitely want to keep an eye on and see what happens over the future. Uh, for Sheffield United and if any more especially from Chris Wilder side does come out uh, regarding that situation uh, on to another strange bit of news that came out uh, it was reported yesterday that UEFA is preparing to get rid of uh, the financial fair play regulations to allow teams greater control over their finances <sighs> the rich get richer if the rich get richer, but wait, but wait, what's that? Where's Edens and Nasser Suarez coming around the back? Mm. This is, if this is true, this is fantastic news for us. Why? Surely you have read into the wealth that is Wes Edens and Nasser Suarez, the owners of Aston Villa. Not personally, I don't really pay that much attention to Aston Villa owners. Nasser Suarez is worth six or eight billion, can't remember. So much Wes Edens is worth one point two. Not I think if the Masters do together, we're like the third richest owners. Own like Abramovich and Mansoor are worth more. Yeah. So you'd take away the the, uh, the shackles. Yeah. Could be a good thing for them, but will there be many clubs that agree, that agree to it? I'm not too it's sure. With the YFFP, is, there will be quite a few of them will be flocking to get rid of it. Oh yeah, the big teams will, but the little teams won't, because like we said, the rich gets richer, and it just makes it the competition even harder for the lower teams to try and do something in their respective leagues. And then again, you don't know how many you don't we don't know how many owners of these so-called smaller teams that actually do have a bit of money behind them and could spend a bit more. Well, yeah, you never do know, but I mean, how long's about? Ten years now has financial fair play been in around. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the thing and who is, is it that, actually 
stopped. Well, yeah, because there was the Real Madrid stuff that got overturned, or they missed like a transfer window. Barcelona, again, they probably missed like a transfer window or so. Chelsea missed two transfer windows. Man City. PSG as well. He, he, like, he hasn't... As far as, as far as I went, the only one they got was AC Milan. But that was in the, yeah. that was in the Europa League there. Yeah, and that was at the very start of financial fair yeah. play. And, even, and they didn't but, really have much success, right? <laughs> no. So it's not something that has really benefited or stopped the big clubs from spending uh, a crazy amount of money on players, transfers and wages and all that stuff. So... It, is it really going to make that much of a difference to me or for the big teams especially? I don't think it will do. But it, it just gives them more freedom. Yeah. And it hasn't technically happened and we don't know what the new system would technically be. Well, yeah. So it's definitely an interesting one to keep an eye out on for the future, uh, but, whether it does happen or not. There's only one thing that matters, it is the Villa are coming. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind seeing Aston Villa battling for the top four and titles. Speaking of top four and transfer stuff, there was a story earlier on this week that Harry Kane said he apparently wants to leave Tottenham and that Daniel Levy would want 150 million for him. He's 31 years old now, is he? Harry Kane? 30, 31? I think he might be all 20. He's late 20s, early 30s. I thought he was like 28, 29. Okay, I may be completely wrong there uh, with his age. But do you agree that he has to leave Tottenham to be considered a greater football? Potentially, but then you can also bring up Alan Shearer in that argument. Yeah, but he won a Premier League when he was at Blackburn. Yeah, but that was the very start of his career before he was anywhere near like, the records. I think that's because he wanted to play for his boyhood club rather than do anything. And at this minute, it's time, the same case for Harry Kane, though. Yeah, but I think. For me, he has to get a move away, wherever it may be to, I don't know. But I think, personally, he has to, because this Spurs team isn't going to win a trophy. And even if they win a Carabao Cup, that's not going to, it's not good enough for him to be remembered as a legend. Like, yeah, his goal-scoring record is phenomenal for both club and country, and he's won a lot of uh, honours in, in terms of, like, uh, player of the month, player of the year, team of the year he's been involved in golden boots as well so whilst that's all good i think he will want an actual medal medal in terms of like premier league champions league i think he has to get a move to do that and i don't see it happening at tottenham anytime soon in terms of getting a medal like that yeah in terms of the elite trophy not major trophies maybe yeah but for, for Tottenham, like winning the League Cup, if it's your first one in a while, it might actually mean the world. Oh, yeah, it will do to them. But, like, I, I mean, I don't see him doing it this season. I, I don't see him stopping this Man City team. So, where, where, if he does go, where do you realistically see him going? I see City being the option. With them set even to, if they want him? Oh, I think they... If Harry Kane's available, you would take him. Okay, let me put this to you. If... What if Man United wanted him? I would take him. Yeah, I would. You would take Harry Kane. But the problem is, though, with Harry Kane and this, is who else could also potentially be available this summer, striker-wise? Be... Yeah, 
and a Paris Saint-Germain who hasn't signed a contract yet. And contract runs out next season. Frenchman. If you want to Mbappe, technically he's not central striker. Not he's a very different player to Harry Kane as such. Yeah, I'm not saying they play similar types of football, but like, he is a forward option, and he has also got 12 months on his option, uh, contract left. So that's the thing with clubs. If I think Holland and Holland's going to be available at a cheaper option than both of them, and I think you go for him. But if you can't get him, then definitely go for Harry Kane, and I think he would fit perfectly into this Manchester City team with the way they play and I think he his goal scoring tally would just continue to grow and he, he'd be doing what Lewandowski's been doing over the last six, seven years at uh Bayern Munich. And for me I don't know whether Spurs are gonna get the hundred and fifty million for him. Whether the city then includes say like eighty million and a player involved. That could be something that happens but yeah, I think he has to leave Spurs this summer if he wants to go down as a great of the Premier League. Yeah, but of course, players have their own aspirations, and whether he wants to do that, we'll we'll, we'll find out this summer. Yeah, right. It's on to the segment that we call "Guess This Squad." It's been a few weeks since we last did it. A few weeks, uh, it's been a month. <laughs> still a few weeks. It's a month is weeks. Any you, don't, you don't need to analyze this critically. <laughs> well, um, so this is the part of the show where me and Brad go head to head. We give each other a game from history and we have to see how many players from that squad we can name. Uh, last time out, I beat you after you struggled to name the Liverpool 2012 FA Cup uh, finalists against Chelsea when you forgot Steven Gerrard and Pepe Reina in that squad. But you somehow that, remembered Stuart Downing. That's why we didn't do it for a month. Yes. And you gave me the Netherlands uh, World Cup final squad from 2010. So with me winning, you, Hopefully I've you get, a lesson. I'm going to allow you to go first this time. In terms of? Guessing. Sure. Yeah. And the game I've gone for happened... On the 12th of October 2012 at Wembley Stadium between England and San Marino, who they play tonight. Well, that's just not fair, is it? <laughs> How many of that England squad can you name? Fucking hell. This is, but this is bullshit because now I'm looking at my one and I just think. I did give you prior warning. This is a qualifier friendly. This was a. Give me a second. It was a qualifier for the 2014 World Cup. I can name... It's got eight. Okay. Fire away. Well, Stephen Gerrard is in there. Nope. I oh, see. This is bullshit. You've given me a game that they're just not going to play any of the big names, are they? No, there are some big names in there. But Steven Gerrard isn't because he was injured. And well, looks, I've gone for a major fixture. Before you go there, no, he wasn't. So I'm going to give you this one. Frank Lampard also wasn't in that I squad. I wasn't going to say Lampard. Okay. Right. Oh, Who else can you name? Well, surely Wayne Rooney. 
Yep, captain and scored two goals that day. Which was the first goal, he, uh, which was a penalty. I don't remember which game this even was. What was the score again? 5 0 to England. Ashley Young. No. Let's say this is bullshit. I've been fucking robbed. <laughs> so you got one. Right, the squad was Joe Hart in goal. I don't know how you didn't get that. I'm actually pissed. This is, I think I have been screwed royally here. I gave you, I said... The, you gave me the literal worst fixture you could have pulled up. No, I just thought, because oh, England were playing San Marino, when can I think of an England San Marino team? And I thought you'd get some of these. Joe Hart in goal should have got that. He was England's number one goalkeeper for ages there. Kyle Walker right back. Centre-halves of Gary Cahill and Phil Jagielka. Leighton Baines was your left-back. Midfielders of Theo Walcott, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, and the two I don't think you'd get would be Michael Carrick and Tom Cleverley. And then forwards of what Danny Welbeck and Wayne Rooney. <laughs> You're not ready for this. This is the bench. John Ruddy. Ashley Cole. I mean, the bench didn't matter, but... Jolian Lescott. Ryan Shawcross. James Milner, John Joe Shelby, Aaron Lennon, Andy Carroll, Jermaine Defoe, Fraser Forster, and um, let's, it's best not to say the last player. Why is it not best to say the last player? Am I going to. If I told you he played for Sunderland and Manchester City. Yeah, move along. <laughs> so I've only got to get two players. And of one. You'll get the whole fucking 11. I was nice to you this week, and then you fed me shit. Nobody said it was easy. Well, now I know the bar now. You, you said it. You're screwed on Monday. How do you know? Oh, yeah, we are doing it again on Monday as it's international break, but... You're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, then. I, I think you should just be made to name the whole 11 of this. No, I've only got to name two. Those are the rules. Just going to outscore you. Well, technically, I hadn't decided which team to make you pick, so I could still be an arsehole, right? <laughs> Real. So, right. 2016. The dark day that was... The 27th of June. 27th of June 2016, so England versus Iceland. Damn it, I didn't think you'd get that. I was preparing something. <laughs> so Roy Hodgson was there, the football wizard, Al Genius. Yes. So you must name the Iceland squad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, name the England team. <laughs> the bad thing is, though, I genuinely don't remember that England team. Um, Maybe hope then. <laughs> Joe Hart in goal. Yep. Okay, so I've only got to get one more. Um, Harry Kane? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Bullshit. Um, let's see if I can... I'll, I'll, okay, I'll go until I can't think of any more. So I'll go with Kyle Walker. Yep. Harry Maguire? Harry Maguire in 2016. I don't know when he made his England debut. It's 2018. 
Honestly, that's when he made his England debut. I was just thinking because Leicester had won the Premier League the season before. No, Christ. Nobody Eric wasn't even a Leicester player in that team. Eric, no, Eric Dyer wasn't there. So that's a few years before Eric Dyer. Who the fuck was he? Is it like John Stones and Gary Cahill, the centre-backs then? Gary Cahill is one. You should get the other one. Phil Jones. You're warm. Chris Smalley? It was Chris Smalley. Left back. Wouldn't have been Ash. I say, I say Spurs. Trippier. Jesus Christ, really? He was at Spurs in 2016, wasn't he? Left back. Left back. Yeah, nowhere near anything right now. Danny Rose. Yep. And you're going to yeah. kick yourself with this midfield for it. Gerard Henderson. No, Gerard. <laughs> um, Henderson, Milner and John Joe Shelby. None of the three. <laughs> Eric Dyer is one of them. Yeah, I was going to say it. Dyer. Um, 2016. Fucking no idea who the other two are. Is it one player for Tottenham and the other one became a makeshift since mid? Harry Winks? No. He's for Tottenham. English midfielder. Tot- Tottenham English midfielder, but the other midfielder just decided to randomly become a midfielder late in his career. Rooney? Yep. Who the fuck's the Spurs one then? Ali. Dele Ali, oh yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah. What was the forward yeah. line of like Sterling, Kane and... Who would have been the third one? It was Daniel Sturridge. Sturridge, yeah. Okay, well anyway, I win that week. Uh, we'll be back on Monday uh, and I know you're really going to choose a harder one for me, but... can play bullshit. <laughs> rules are rules. Fraud. Rules are rules. Um, so we've had some news about the start of next season's Premier League season, and it will start on the 14th of August, and it will run until the 22nd of May 2022. Clubs are yet to agree a date uh, for this summer's transfer window. It currently is expected to run in England from the 9th of June to the 31st of August, though the Premier League and EFL can change on their own dates of when they want it to open and close. So that should be uh, very interesting to see what happens there in terms of uh, transfers and all that stuff. Right, before we wrap up, it's time to do the Predictions League and we're going to do all the fixtures from the WSL this week as it's internationals and nobody cares about the international fixtures. So the first first game is Man United versus West Ham. I'm going to go for Man United 3-0 win. A 2-0 Man United win. Okay. Next up is Tottenham versus Arsenal. And I'm going to go for a 4-1 Arsenal win. 3-0 Arsenal win. Okay, then we have Man City versus Reading. I'm going to go with Man City to win 4 0. Man City will win 4 1. Okay, and to Sunday, 
Brighton versus Everton. I'm going to go with Brighton to win this one just about 2-1. I'll go for 1-1. Yeah, I think it's going to be... Yeah, your, your face has said, oh, God. <laughs> no, it's just close. Uh, then we have Chelsea versus Aston Villa. Uh, there's the next game, and I'm going to go Chelsea to win... Three nil. It's generous. Five nil Chelsea. Okay. And then the final game is Birmingham City versus Bristol City. And I'm gonna go with Bristol to nick it. Two one. One nil Birmingham. Okay. And that game will actually take place at uh Dampson Park this weekend or the sports nation dot bet stadium whatever the fuck they called it i can never remember the name of it but damson park uh reminder heading into this weekend brad is on 88 points and i'm on 117 heading into this weekend's fixtures right um that is all the news as we have wrapped up this international breakup we've managed to stretch it out a lot longer than either of us were expecting but we will be back on monday to review all the weekend's games in terms of internationals if there's anything big happen and obviously the women's super league and any other stuff happening in around the world of football and until then it's goodbye from me and goodbye from my co-presenter brad i'm pissed goodbye and we'll see you soon